name is Lisa Matumarefi and I'll be your host for today. Our guest on today's podcast is Felix Mongara. And on this episode, we'll be discussing all things intellectual property. Felix Mongara is an advocate of the High Court of Kenya. He's been in practice for about six years and is a member of the corporate commercial team here at Gikera and Badgama Advocates. Please say hello to our, visit, to our listeners, Felix. Uh, thank you very much, Louisa, for having me on. Um, I have to admit that this is quite a different setting from what I'm used to on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm looking forward to having an exciting time. Karibu sana, Felix. And I'm also looking forward to recording this podcast. As you know, intellectual property is something that's very near and dear to my heart. And so I'm looking forward to informing our listeners more about it. Felix, please describe to our listeners your interaction with intellectual property and how you have helped clients register their IP rights. Thank you very much. My interaction with IP practice has been quite interesting um, because IP practice is that area of law that provides certain tools to people uh, who are interested in protecting, um, you know, the practical manifestations of the ideas that they have come up with. Uh, this is a practice that is very, uh, very, very critical and very important to people engaged in commerce. Um, and, and I think I should very quickly just briefly highlight some of the mechanisms that uh, are available. Okay, so let's start with trademarks, for example. So if you've come up um, with the name of a product that you want to sell and you don't want um, other people to derive, um, you know, value from it, um, you know, monetarily uh, because you've spent time, effort and money as well in coming up with it, um, you want to trademark that um, the name of that product or maybe a slogan, the image that you come up with to represent that product uh, or service. So you would register trademark over it. Uh, similarly, if you have um, a product that is of um, what you'd call a literally work or literally nature, it's a musical piece, it's an audiovisual piece, and in some cases even software, uh, you want to copyright that. Okay. Um, in other instances, you probably have come up, have discovered some new way of doing things um, that you can commercialize. Um, you want to patent it. Uh, and in the other instances, because patenting is quite, um, has quite some, uh, you know, tough requirements before you can meet the patentability test, uh, you can go for a utility model instead. Uh, and finally, uh, in that roster of mechanisms available to people, um, you have the option of an industrial design. So if you, if you design, if you want to sell cups, if you want to sell, um, some particular implement that people can use, um, but that is quite distinct and unique in and by itself, uh, you, you register an industrial design uh, over it. Yes, that's true, Felix. And so for our listeners who may not have interacted with intellectual property rights registration before, if you'd wanted to register copyright, mm. then you do it at Kekobo, which stands for the Kenya Copyright Board. If you wanted to register some of the other industrial property that Felix has spoken about, so that's a trademark, a utility model, a patent, an industrial design, then you do it at KIPI, which is Kenya Intellectual Property Institute. That's correct. Yes. And so recently there has been an amendment to our Copyright Act 
first it was a copyright amendment bill and now it's part of the copyright amendment in terms of copyright copyright amendments to the act please describe to our listeners what key changes these new amendments have now brought in terms of legislation what they would need to look out for and what they would need to comply with okay thank you very much uh, and it's quite uh, interesting that you uh, opted to begin with copyright because i think that's where a lot of um, developments are happening uh, in kenya at least yes okay so you've seen lots of um, creatives the musical um, musical space in the musical space um, even publishing yes as well as um, you know the, the 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 tv space as well yes a uh, lot of work happening in that area um so so this is an area that would certainly be of interest to people who are uh eking a living out of it yes okay or within it um so and i think it's in that light that um there is a move towards you know improving uh, the laws that we have that govern uh, the protection of copyright. Yes. So we have uh, on the 4th of April this uh, this year uh, the president signed into a law uh, what was previously the copyright amendment bill. Yes. Uh, and it contained a few you know propositions uh, proposals for for change in the law. One of which was meant to streamline or mainstream the 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 registration of this copyright yes so because the current act provides for and that is this is the copyright act i'm referring to yes provides for the registration of copyright uh through digital means uh that's to say you can actually you know upload and register your copyright uh on a web-based platform yes that is managed by kekobo yes the regulator that you just mentioned yes so the act um contains some provisions that were meant to sort of anchor that uh that registry uh a bit more family yes. and the registry will now be called the national rights registry um one of the other uh proposals that are now law was um and this was of key interest um to artists um related to the how revenue that these artists derive from um you know from 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 what you'd call uh performance related uh, performance related uh, activities um <clears throat> excuse me uh, how how that revenue would be shared okay previously um the revenue was administered for the long time for the longest time the revenue has been administered through certain organizations um Uh, you've heard of some of them yes so those organizations are known as collective management organizations or cmos and the, the division of the division that felix is referring to is in terms of the skiza platform <laughs> that's run by safaricom yeah that's correct that's correct and if it, i think it's really the main uh, platform um when, when you think about um the, the the sources of this revenue um so The, what the act did was it it adjusted the proportions in which um the revenue will be shared uh and in effect um you know giving a bigger percentage uh to the artists which um which is a big win for them okay there was a proposal to uh, you know for 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 this revenue to be administered solely through 
um, you know, these collective management organizations, but that I believe was shut down yes. uh, and wasn't part of uh, the final uh, draft of what became the became law. Um, and then, so so that that that's a major development in that copyright space. Um, there was another proposal, um, generally referred to as a you know takedown notices around takedown notices. Yes, uh, uh, which related to the right of um, you know IP owners to ask um, you know internet service providers. Yes, uh, such as Google. Um, you know, YouTube and, and similar platforms yes. to take down content yes. that they felt was infringing on their own intellectual property. Yes. Uh, but it was found, uh, the feedback from stakeholders was that it was a bit draconian and would infringe on, um, um, you know, uh, free speech really. Uh, and therefore, did, did not make it to the final draft and therefore was omitted. But I thought that that was something worth mentioning. Okay. So, uh, but, but by and large, um, those are the main changes that have been brought into effect under um, under the recently passed uh, Copyright Amendment Act. Yes, thank you, Felix. And if you are an artist or somebody in the creative industry, and some of these amendments to the Copyright Act would now affect you if you would need help registering your copyright digitally through the National Rights Registry or the NRR. That's a service that Gikera and Radgama are able to help you with and guide you through the process of what you can copyright and the exact kind of copyrightable works that you then would have. So I would like us to speak a little bit more about exactly what you can copyright. So in terms of copyright, Copyright subsist automatically if you're a Kenyan citizen or even a citizen of another country that's part of the Bern Convention. The requirements for you to, for copyright then to subsist automatically would that would be that you're an author, that the idea was original, that you've put in the that you've qualified for the test that you've put in enough sort of the brow to create this work, that your um, idea is now expressed in a material form and that you have now compressed that idea into something that's copyrightable. A lot of times people think that if you have an idea, um, that that's, that idea itself is protected, but that's not how copyright works. You must now reduce this idea into a material form in order for it to be copyrighted. And now the advantage of you registering your copyright with Kekobo and paying the thousand shillings and doing it through the NRR with GVA's help is that um, you now have proof of your copyright ownership and registration in case you wanted to transfer that copyright or enter into a copyright royalty agreement with someone or in case of a dispute when it comes to the material that you've copyrighted. I think that's an important point that you make, Louisa. Um, Though perhaps do you want to elaborate a bit more about the benefits of registration? Because are you suggesting that if I haven't registered, if I have written a book, for example, uh, and I'm selling it, uh, put it on the stands, and I find out that someone else is selling the same title, uh, more or less what I'm, you know, I wrote, uh, but I haven't registered copyright over it. Um, what challenges would I have really if I wanted to, you know? to take action against them. Okay. So as I had stated earlier on in the podcast, 
if you meet the copyright requirements and copyrights subsist to you automatically. So you already hold copyright over your manuscript or over your book when it's already published. The advantage of registering your copyright at Kekobo and having that copyright registration certificate in your name or your company name is that it helps in terms of disputes and also in terms of entering into agreements with possible publishers uh-huh. or people uh-huh. that then you'd want to interact and monetize your copyrightable or your copyrighted material. So that's why you see like on the leaf of a book, when you open it, usually like on the back of the first page after dedications, you'll see a small C sign with a circle around it. it means it's copyrighted and the year in which it has been copyrighted in and subsequent years that it's also been copyrighted in or amendments to the script of the books that have been made. So let's say you are uh, you've published a book. Uh, you've then now taken that manuscript, which now qualifies as you reducing it to a material form. You've registered it at Kekobo through the NRR. You then have your copyright registration certificates. It protects you as the author and the owner of the copyright in case of disputes. Mm. So that is the advantage of going that step further and registering your copyright in terms of uh, copyrighted works. Uh, Let me take you a step um, further ahead. Um, and speak specifically about something that I've seen coming up uh, again and again. Uh, I've seen lots of people developing apps, okay, applications, uh, which are backed by software. Yes. Um, and people asking, okay, how can I patent my software? Um, and then, or can I, how, how, how best can I protect the IP that I've developed in my software? Because I've got this um, investors who want to invest into the you know, the solution that I've come up with, but they want to know that I have covered everything uh, IP-wise. Um, so does copyright play have any significance insofar as um, software is concerned? Yes, it does. So according to the Copyright Act, and even generally in terms of intellectual property protection, you can then you can then copyright what is known as a source code. So those ones and zeros that then come together mm-hmm. to create the app. <laughs> but um, a lot of intellectual property lawyers may advise you not to copyright your source code. And this is the reason why. Source code is changes all the time. So the source code I put down into material form now, whether it's on a flash drive or in the cloud, or I've typed up and printed somewhere, may change five or 10 minutes from now, immediately I update that source code or make updates to the app. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tend to agree with that group of intellectual property lawyers that say copyright may not be the best way to protect your software code. Rather do something like what Uber did, because what Uber did is they trademarked the name Uber, and then they use now that proprietary knowledge to launch first into the market. And so they use that first to market advantage to make money. But um, coming back now to the back end of developing in terms of software, if you then are have procured the services of certain developers to develop the source code or app for you, you would then now need to come and ask and come into an agreement between yourself as the owner and the author of this source code uh, and the user interface of your software ATC to come up with an agreement to pay them so that the development uh, of this source code now is what is called a commissioned work. So a commissioned work in terms of intellectual property is work that you commission or pay for. 
And what you'd have to do and make sure you put in that software development agreement, if that's a working title you want to use for it, is now payment in terms of further updates to that software or UI, which is user interface or anything else to do with that app. And also you would need now to work out um, if there's going to be any royalty agreement between yourself and someone else that you wanted to sell this product to. And a clear set guideline between what exactly the IP is you're paying for in terms of the commissioned work and what now you want to do in terms of that software. And so I'd say to anybody that wants to launch a startup, you know, with the opening of now three new uh, business hubs and innovation hubs from Microsoft, from Hmm. Google, and from Visa is to then make sure that you're educated to know exactly what you would need to protect if you're a software developer and how then you would best protect, after you've best protected that intellectual property, how then you would monetize it. And, and that's my take on protecting software developments. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yes. Thank you, thank you for that take. Yes, and so uh, Felix, I know that you and I and the rest of the team at GVA have helped quite a few of our corporate clients register trademarks. And so we've gone through the whole process at Kipi and we've also walked through with our clients step by step. Maybe you can just help to describe what a trademark is, what the advantage of registering a trademark would be at Kipi. Um, thank you. Thank you, Louisa. Um, I'll use the example of, uh, of our water bottle. Yes. Uh, one that we're looking at uh, at the moment. Yes. <laughs> right in front of us. Yes, right in front of us. Um, so the, so this is a water bottle. It contains water um, and you can buy this bottle of water of the shelves in yes. a supermarket or elsewhere. Yes. Wherever it's uh, been availed for, for sale. Um, now, there are a couple of things that I would expect that the, you know, the, 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 the seller of, of, or the manufacturer of this this water bottle and the water in it uh, has t- had, has done from an IP point of view. Yes. And in particular, uh, trademark uh, wise. Yes. So I can see that the water bottle has got, um, you know, the brand or the name of the associated with the water. Yes. Um, so now, because this name won't change, um, you want to protect the name so that you invest in the goodwill um, that people will associate with the name. Yes. Um, and so that you can set yourself apart yes. in the market. Yes. So you want to trademark the name, okay, the way it appears. Yes. Uh, at times, um, and I can see that this particular water bottle doesn't have an, you know, an image behind or as, alongside the name. Um, if, there, if it did, you'd also register that image as part of that trademark, okay? You could actually register it as one trademark. Uh, if you wish, you could register it as a separate trademark altogether, mm-hmm. okay? Under the name of the same proprietor. Yes. Um, and then I can see a logo here. Um, you know, the name, the main name, and then the logo is Mineral Water. Yes. Okay? So you'd also register the trademark, including this um, this byline, Mineral Water. Mm-hmm. However, uh, and this is a bit more, uh, you know, a b- b- bit more of detail. Yes. Uh, it, it, when, when you're trademarking, you can't trademark. There are certain things that you can't trademark because either they are general, you know, words in usage mm-hmm. um, that um, if you are to trademark and have exclusive right over it, then you'd prevent everyone else from using it. Yes. So you can't trademark, for example, the word mineral. 
mm. um, you know, standing on its own. Yes. Same case with water. Yes. So you'd have to do something called uh, disclaiming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you disclaim your right to the word mineral and the word water, um, you know, uh, used separately. So so that's how you would trademark um you trademark you you'd trademark the 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 trademark in this um associated with this particular water okay um now i think kenya is uh, a, a, there are couple in some other advanced jurisdictions you'll find that the the options available for trademarking are a bit more uh, compared to kenya so you'll find that um in a jurisdiction such as the United Kingdom, you could trademark what you'd call a sound or motion mark. Yes. Okay. And I think you can give an example of that. I think you'd mentioned it <laughs> as we were beginning. Yes. Uh, separate, yeah, before we began. So I'm sure our listeners know that ne- that Netflix sound is called the Tudum mm-hmm. sound <laughs> that I'm sure you've listened to multiple times when you've watched series and films on Netflix. So what Netflix have done, they've actually trademarked that sound mark, the Tudum sound mark in the States and in a number of other territories where you're able to trademark sound marks because it's very unique to the logo. It's very unique to Netflix and it has proprietary value to them. And that may be something that we would want to explore registering here in Kenya so registering trademarks as registering sound marks as trademarks for example something popular maybe like a sound ala mm-hmm. or the maybe the way the word sipangwingwi mm-hmm. sound or something very unique that then the proprietor of that sound mark could then make money off of yeah, that's that's that, that's uh, exactly correct. And in fact, uh, if I may relate a recent experience I had with a foreign client, yes, uh, who wanted. Um, so this client is actually a, a television news uh, network. Yes. Okay. Um, and 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 they were looking to, they they were inquiring whether it would be possible to register uh those sounds and motion marks that they have registered in their home country yes okay and 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 and, and you know unfortunately uh our current uh legal dispensation doesn't uh allow for that uh but i think with time that will probably um you know be 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 brought on board so that would be possible yes instead what they ended up doing was they ended up um registering the 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 graphical representations of those sounds and motion marks uh-huh. as, as trademarks, okay? Uh, so that uh, they had something, non- at least, <laughs> even <laughs> though they couldn't get the, the, the sounds and motion marks registered. Um, so, so so that's something to bear in mind. Um, that, that, that's still a mechanism that the law provides for protecting your, 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 your you know, your IP um, by way of trademarking it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so... So the other thing, key thing to bear in mind is that uh, trademarks are valid for a period of um, um, ten years. Ten years, yes. And then you can, of course, renew it um, after it expired. Yes. Um, so, and our experience with renewal, even after it expired, is that you will still be able to renew it um, as long as you're renewing it under the as the same proprietor who registered it in the first place. Um, and, and the registration process, uh, from our own experience, is quite seamless. Yes. Uh, the Kenya Intellectual Property Institute, 
um and, and the processes are quite um you know quite seamless now to say the least yes i agree even on the projects that we worked on together and the matters we worked on together dealing with the people at kipi is quite seamless and one of the registries that are really doing a good job in this our lovely country another thing to mention that would be important in terms of registering trademarks is the classification of the trademarks so trademarks are usually registered in different classes according to the NIS classification that's updated every two to five years. And that classification then is split into two categories. There's a classification for goods and a classification for services. And so when you are sitting down with a client and they say, okay, I'd like to trademark my logo, I'd like to trademark my name, an important thing would then be to sit with them along with the NIS classification and go through the different classes to then decide which one would work best for your clients. Let's say there are clients in manufacturing, you would then want to register it in the particular category or class that the manufacturing sector is in. I always also advise my clients to register their trademarks in a number of other classes as well, because the advantage of doing that then is that you want to create protection for your brand. And so we know that a lot of our clients register their names at the company's registry. Mm -hmm. But then it's also important over and above that now to register your trademark because that's what actually gives you a proprietary right to trade under your name and hence the name trademark. Yeah, that, that's that's quite important. Uh, and perhaps I should add that um, the reason why you have different classes of classification of trademarks is because the the trademark is specific to the sector. Yes. Okay, the protection of the trademark that you register is specific to the sector that you're, you know, you're engaged, you're, you're involved in. So the example you give of manufacturing. Yes. So if you register it under classes that relate to manufacturing, then if the implication of that is, if I was to approach Kipi and uh, we the request to register a similar trademark, but in a totally different class, then I would be able to get it. Perhaps, okay, um, there's a possibility that I'll be able to get it, uh, but, but and, and the reason why you need to be careful when you're registering your trademark at the, at the outset uh, to consider carefully all the classes that you would want to, uh, to register, okay? I saw you shaking your head there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a little bit. Yes. Uh, but I agree with you mm -hmm. in terms of it's important for you to pick out all the different classes that your trademark would be applicable, that you would want your trademark to be relevant in. Because worse still would be, now you've launched your business, you're not actively trading. You want to monetize and make money. You want to monetize. And then you missed out a class Mm -hmm. when you're registering your trademark that have been very important for you to do. For example, one of the things that I always advise my clients is, and we advise our clients here at GVA to do is, make sure you pick the classes that relate to advertising and merchandising and stationery. Because those are things that you definitely know your brand and your business are going to be involved in over and above what the core business trait of your trademark would then be. And I believe that's just one class on its own. No, those are separate classes. Oh, the separate classes. Sorry. Yes. Um, yeah. Those are separate classes. Thanks. Yeah. But uh, Felix is right. Um, you, you need to be careful that on the onset of registering your trademark that you consult and make sure that you register in all the re relevant classes. 
we at GVA are here to help. If you would like to register your work and copyright it at Kekobo, if you would like to trademark your brand or logo, if you'd like to register an industrial design over a piece of furniture or something that you've uniquely come up with, or would like to see if something new and novel you've come up with is pat- can be is patentable, or you would like to register a utility model over it, or if you just generally like IP advice in terms of broadcasting rights, um, in terms of registering choreography, etc., and monetizing the work that then comes to you, then we're here to help. You can reach out to us. You can call us on 0718-870-167. You can drop us an email, info at gvalawfirm.com. You can pay us a visit here at our Nairobi office, 56 Mudidi Road, Westlands. We also have branches in Mombasa and Nanyuki, and we would be willing to help all, we would be willing to help with all things IP advisory. You can also look through our website. We recently published an article on the digital registration of copyright. And we are going to release an article on World IP Day uh, to celebrate intellectual property. Felix, uh, you mentioned the importance of registering a trademark. Have you also registered other forms of intellectual property at Kipi, apart from trademarks? Um, Yes, sure. Um, I have had the... You know the, the the lack of having um, not only registered but advice clients around um, you know the options that they have, um, and I think I'll cover um, very quickly the other the other forms of you know uh, IP. Yes, uh, and I'll begin with uh, industrial designs. Yes, and I'll still revert to the example of the oh. water bottle. Yes. <laughs> that we have uh, <laughs> on top of the table that uh, uh, right in front of us. Yes, so. The the shape of this water bottle, uh, one would argue, is unique. Yes. Okay. And distinct from other water bottles. Yes. Um. So, if you feel as the you know the the the, the business person that this would be a selling point, you may want to protect the shape. Yes. Okay. The different contours and generally the design of the water bottle. So the option that would be available to you would be to register. And, and you know it it as an industrial design, and you would do that at the Kenya Industrial Property Institute. Yes. Okay. So you basically submit a three D um, representation of this design, um, and upon examination by KPE as to whether there already exists something similar or you know the same design, um, you know you you'd get the go ahead to to to, to get to get the, re, the the registration over this. Um, so, so that's that's one other uh, form of industrial, um, you know, in intellectual property uh, that people, especially in um, in the you know you know industrial manufacturing sector, uh, often often look to to exploit. Yes, another good example of that is a popular nail polish manufacturer in our country and they registered an industrial design over the look of their bottle because it's very unique. The bottom is a, a round bottle that contains the nail polish, but the top, the one that contains the nail polish applicator is a quite a long tip. And so they registered an industrial property, they re- registered it at Kipi with an industrial design over that particular shape of their bottle. And it's quite distinct. It's quite distinct. Uh, and so, and if you're in the manufacturing industry, 
then we at Kiran Radgama are able to help you with that process of registration in terms of industrial designs. Uh, Felix, have you had a chance to interact with a client that has wanted to patent a particular product that they believe they've come up with or wanted to register a utility model over that particular product? Uh, actually, quite a couple, um, except that nowadays the most common uh, requests relate to um, uh, innovations yes. in the fintech space. Yes. Okay. Quite yes. interestingly. Yes. Um, so we're getting lots of inquiries uh, around around such, uh, and so I think for a patent, um, the whole idea is that you have discovered something that no one else has ever discovered. Yes. Or something that um, that wasn't really obvious would not be obvious to you know, to, 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 to any other person, okay? If they were to apply their mind to it. Yes. Um, and so, so you wouldn't find a lot of patenting or patent applications in Kenya because of perhaps of that fact alone, at least compared to applications to register trademarks. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Um, and, and industrial designs and the like. Um, so, and I think, um, you may want to take us through the test for, <laughs> <laughs> for <laughs> the patentability test. For, for Although patentability you've already test. started, yes, sure. You're right. So yes, I want to throw the ball back. You want to throw the ball back to my in, to my court. That's Indeed. fine. So Felix has already started to describe the patentability test, and the first thing is you have to have invented something that's completely new or novel. It's never been invented before. The second one is that it's something that's non-obvious, as Felix also described. Um, the third one would be, I think that the, the idea that it's commercially viable, like, commercially viable, and yes. you can exploit it for a commercial use. Yes, that you can exploit it for a commercial use. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so yes. So, so, and I think um, the whole process involves um, examination uh, by an examiner at um, the Kenya Industrial Property Institute, because it's a body where you would submit such an application. Yes. Um, and. Um, and unlike, you know, applications to reach these other forms of IP, uh, the patenting process takes quite might take quite a bit of time. It does take quite a bit of time. In fact, uh, we count it in terms of years. Yes, we do. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, and so yes, so because they, the, the 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 patent examiner has to to examine it from a technical point of view. Yes. To actually ascertain that uh, it works as you suggest that it works. Um, and that, uh, you know, they also have to carry out searches, uh, both in Kenya um, and, 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 and globally yes. to just confirm that no one else has already come up, you know, come up already with the, with, 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 with the, with the innovation that you have, uh, that you're looking to patent. True. And so as part of this process, as Felix has rightly described, applying for a patent takes quite a bit of time. If it is eventually granted to you, it's we, we usually advise our clients that it could take a number of years because when you first apply, you're given what is called a priority date. That means when your patent application was formally accepted by KIPI or another international body, a lot of people use the USPTO, which is a system that then is used to examine patents. Because you may think that your idea is new and novel and you want to patent it, but someone else is already in the process of being granted a patent. And then if you find that um, your your 
invention, quote unquote, is, isn't as new as you thought it was, then you do have other options available to you. You can register what we've spoken about before, a utility model. So a utility model or a UM is also registered at Kipi. Here in Kenya, we don't examine utility models, although they're examinable in other parts of the world. And so this would then be an, something that you've come up with, a product that you've come up with that's an add-on to another product or that is new but not completely novel. You still want to protect it and make money from it. Mm. So a good example I usually give is, so you have a bicycle and different parts of it have been patented, but you want to come up with a spoke, it's just something slightly new about the spoke, but not completely new. You could then mm. register utility model over that particular design of a spoke if then that spoke is not patentable. Mm -hmm. And maybe to round uh, out there, this discussion around uh, utility models and patents, maybe it's just, it should just throw in something there to demonstrate how stringent the test for patenting is. is. Yes. So I'm aware of, um, of, uh, of an ongoing um, dispute that is, um, of an ongoing dispute that maybe between an applicant who's applied to patent mm -hmm. um, an innovation, uh, what they call they claim to be an innovation, yes, uh, relating to you know a mobile money lending application, yes, okay, um, and so I, I I know that they uh, one of the local banks has um, has put in you know has 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 opposed the granting of that patent mm -hmm. on the grounds that, uh, you know, there's nothing novel about it, okay? Mm -hmm. um, that uh, people already, you know, there are a lot of similar innovations in the market. The algorithm behind, you know, um, the, 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 the assessing of, um, you know, uh, loan applicants, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, qualifications and suitability um for being uh, for being granted loans and the like um so so you'll see that that's the, the, that that particular application is being faulted on the basis of at least one of the of the patentability test uh, you know test that we have you have just mentioned yes um so uh so so, so something to bear in mind again uh, just a reminder um, uh, patenting is is not a walk in the park. It's not, and it's also quite costly. Mm -hmm. It's a it's quite a costly process. That's cool. And so, as Karen Rodgama, we can help you through that process, and uh, you can sit with us and our very qualified team, as well as patent then examiners who will sit and advise you together with ourselves, whether your invention, quote-unquote, is patentable, or whether you'd rather spend your time and money registering a utility model in order to make money from this business. But that's a very uh, good example that you've brought up, Felix, of a mobile money app or invention that another a local bank now wants to oppose on the basis that it is not really novel, that there are other similar mobile money applications that are within the market. And so it will be interesting to then see the end result of that and mm -hmm. see whether the applicant of the patent will be granted the patent or not. And one final intellectual property that we may not have mentioned, but that you may have heard of before are what are called trade secrets. And so these are not really registerable because it's exactly what it speaks of. It is a trade secret, a secret that's kept within the business of how to do something. You may have heard of the 
trade secret of the Coca-Cola formula. The fact that only a number of very, a limited number of people are said to know what the formula of Coca-Cola is. There are a number of other trade secrets as well, um, such as the secret blends of spices and herbs made to made for KFC. The ones, the rub that they used to make on their chicken, which some of our listeners may have tasted. <laughs> there are also a number of other trade secrets as well. And that's a form of IP that may not be as exploited or that our clients may not know of that they would need to, to exploit. Uh, but something that's come up recently is uh, image rights. So you're a celebrity or you're a... Uh, you're another person who isn't a celebrity and your photo is a picture of you is taken a photograph of you is taken and is published without your permission now what is different about a photograph as opposed to other commissioned work where if you commission a work then you are now the owner of that uh, work and the author is the one that you paid or commissioned to do the work for you in the case of a photograph it's very unique because the person that beats the photograph, quote-unquote, <laughs> or the photographer would then be the owner and the author of the photograph itself. So unless they assign those intellectual property rights back to you, then they would be the author and the owner of them in it. But what they don't own are your photos in the photograph, and those are what are called image rights. Now, particularly celebrities or people that trade off their, their faces are very... They guard their their image rights um, very closely because that is one of the tools they use to make their money. And so recently we know of um, a local manufacturer that has paid quite a bit of money to one of our famous footballers for using his image outside of their greed assignment between the two of them. There's also another um, case that has been ruled by our courts of one of our national carriers that used a picture of one of their former employees and didn't compensate her for that, and she then got damages. There's another example of that where a, a local dairy manufacturer used a picture of one of their employees in their calendars and didn't compensate him for that. Um, and so that's one of the things that people need to be aware of in terms of your image rights. So people cannot use your image without your consent. Even if somebody's coming to take a photograph of you at a public event, they should ask for your consent. If, to take the picture first and then your consent to publish the picture. But if they're intent on making money from that image or images, especially to sell their brand or use their your brand now to incorporate it with their brand, then you need to come up with some sort of agreement in terms of these image rights. It's becoming quite a, a hot topic, especially in terms of now image rights in the digital age where you simply send a photo or image, it would be interesting to see how intellectual property and image rights then would play in somewhere like the metaverse. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's a new field of law that's growing quite a bit. And it's interesting to see the amount of jurisprudence that is now growing around um, image rights, especially in, in Kenya. And so that's something you also need to be wary of if you're a photographer. Um, and you're taking photos of people in public places or just as a photographer with your clients in general. And GVA and ourselves are able to help you uh, come up with those agreements. Um, even if you want to get married or there's a public there's a public event that you're having and you have photographers come up and take photographs, then you we would guide you on the step-by-step -step process of how that goes. 
Um, I would like to leave our listeners with a very good example of a combination of intellectual property rights. I was spoken about it is a dark colored drink. I will not mention <laughs> the name, <laughs> but they have exploited intellectual property rights very well. Do you mean the drink itself? Uh, or, the, the drink and, and, the and the container, all of it. <laughs> so that's what I want to explain. So it is a popular drink that I'm sure a lot of us have had. The first thing is that they have a trade secret over the formula of the drink. The second thing is that they've trademarked the name and logo of the company, the way it's displayed on the bottle and in other branding ways. Um, the third thing is that they have an industrial property design over the shape of the bottle because it's quite unique. And then they may have, they may or may not have um, patented certain elements um, in certain elements with regard to the drink that they make. And then also they have very strict, they have very strict things to do with branding. Um, and we have, and copyright, probably copyright, a lot of the slogans that go along with the drink. And so that's one of the best examples of protection of IP in terms of a brand now using everything together. You may see that they may even have, um, may even have an industrial design over the cover of the bottle, the one that's the screw top that would come then off and on. And so if you're a business and would like to know how to market and protect yourself in terms of branding and monetizing your intellectual property, then Gikera and Radgama are here to help. Um, mm -hmm. You can call us on 0718-870-167. You can pay us a visit at our head office in Nairobi on 56 Mudivi Road, Westlands. We also have branches in Mombasa and Nanyuki, and we're very happy to help. The whole corporate commercial team does a lot of transactional work uh, in terms of intellectual property, and we would be happy to help you with all of that. This will be the last episode of the first season of the GVA Legal Podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen. We hope that we've informed you and we will let you know when the second season of the GVA Legal Podcast is being rolled out. Kwaheri Kwasasa. Thank you so much, Felix, for being our guest and host on this podcast. Thank you very much. Well.